Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Romans chapter 8, go there, Romans chapter 8, whether you're in your Bible, on your device, whatever, Romans 8, go there if you would, please. We're talking about being fully equipped for what's ahead. This is part 5 in a series we started the first of the year to fully understand what you and I need to know to walk out what God has for us in these last days, what He wants us to be able to walk in in the light of what He's prepared for every single one of us. So I'm going to go over the four things we've already covered. Now, I'm not going to re-preach these, of course, just share them with you as points real quick. You can go back and get the previous message to go through these. Number one, the first week we talked about that you don't make church optional. In the last days, let me tell you what you don't want to do. Make church optional. Because the only way that you get a harvest of your future of what God has, Mark 4, you got to sit under the sower of the Word. Every time the Word is preached, that sower of the Word is actually bringing seed to go into your heart so that you can have a godly harvest. But if you're not there to get the seed, how are you going to get the harvest? You're not going to be able to. So number one, even the Bible warns us about the last days of not making church optional. Don't make it optional. If you want to be prepared, don't make church optional. These are the things you do to make sure you're fully prepared for what's ahead. Number two, so don't get down the road, uh, be a, a, a horrible church attender, and then get upset at God that you weren't prepared for what was ahead. He was trying to sow in your life all along. So that you would be prepared for what was ahead. Amen. Have the word you need. Number two, make your relationship with God a daily priority. Daily priority. So how do we make our relationship with God a daily priority? Scripture. Word of God. This is God speaking to us. And we need to learn how to fellowship with God by going to the word of God. Really, as a a believer, it's the primary foundation of why Jesus died. So we could go back into right relationship with God and walk with God. Sadly, most people's relationship with God is nothing more than a church service or an occasional prayer. But you and I should have a daily relationship with God because God is the one that's going to help rub off on you and help you to walk in what he has for your future. Amen? Number three, you got to make what? Renewing your mind to daily practice. Daily practice. We covered quite a bit on that because, again, if you don't deal with your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and if you don't get your soul practicing the Word of God in the way that you're to see it, clearly by renewing your mind, then when things happen, you're going to respond out of that old Adamic nature. What you practice, you get good at. You practice daily renewing your mind to the Word of God, and guess what? When stuff comes, you're going to be responding according to the Spirit, not according to the old Adamic nature. So we talked in detail about that, about why that's significant, how you do that. How do you do that? You take Scriptures and you meditate on them. You think about them over and over, as the Bible says. If you meditate on the Word day and night, you will, the Bible says. You will have good success. So you will clearly be prepared for what's ahead. Amen? Number four, we talked about making God's word final authority. As Kathy was talking about this morning. If God's word is final authority, it's the only thing I look to. I don't look to anything else. Everything I do is based on one thing. What did God say about it? 
Because if God's word is final authority and I'm doing what God said about it, I'm going to clearly be walking in the light of scripture, which is known as the truth that will do what? Set me free. So if you make God's word final authority, we should not be going by our opinion. We should not go be going by our idea of what we think or what somebody else thinks. Well, you know, I think this or I think that. The things that are scripture are, are the things in scripture that are clear, black and white. There should be no quote unquote discussion about it. Now, making God's word final authority applies in many ways. Is it just in what I do? No, no. It's in what you believe about yourself. What do you believe about yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself the way God does? If you don't, you you haven't made God's word final authority. See, if you're looking at yourself from the natural, you're going to say all kinds of things about yourself that God doesn't say, that aren't true. You're a spirit. You're not a body. You're not a soul. You're a spirit. So you got to see yourself the way God does. This is making God's word final authority in your life. If it's not final authority, you'll allow yourself to continue to see yourself in relationship to that old nature as well. Having God's word as final authority is like our confession. It's really simple. We went over it during that same time frame. I therefore believe I am who God says I am. Why? God's word's final authority. I can do what God says I can do. Why? God's word's final authority. I have what God says I have. Doesn't matter what my circumstances look like. Why? Because God's word is final authority. If this is what God said I have, then I believe what God said I have. So clearly it must be a work in your life that his word is final authority in every relationship to how you live. Romans chapter 8. Let's go on to number 5 today. We're going over things that will help you be fully equipped for what's ahead. Romans chapter 8, if you're there, say amen. amen. Verse 12, Romans 8, 12. Therefore, brethren, of course, we know he's writing to the church at Rome, clearly now revealing he's writing to believers. We are debtors. What are we? Debtors. A lot of people don't know this. If you're born again, you're a debtor. You owe a debt. Right. You owe a debt. He just said that. If you're a debtor, if you're, if you're a debtor what does that mean? If you're a debtor, you owe somebody something. Isn't that right? Brethren, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. Say, not to the flesh. We're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. So I owe nothing to my flesh. That's why I'm not to be controlled by my flesh. I owe nothing to my old fleshly nature. Absolutely nothing. My fleshly nature did nothing to get me born again. My fleshly nature did nothing to help me to know God. Nothing about my fleshly nature that could have done that. That's why Jesus came. So I owe no debt to my flesh. Therefore, what's that mean? I should not be serving my flesh. I should not be doing what my flesh tells me because I owe no debt to my flesh. None at all. 13, four, if you live according to the flesh, what will happen? Wow. Really, pastor? He just said it. So does that mean necessarily dying physically? Could be included, obviously. But the relationship here is you're not going to walk in what? You're not going to walk in the God kind of life. You're not going to walk in Zoe, which is the opposite of death. So in this aspect of what he's talking about here, he's referring a separation as you're about to see the difference between, between living in the context of the life of God or walking in what clearly is not the life of God, a form of death. And therefore, if you live according to your flesh, what's going to happen? You're going to die. But if by the Spirit, so if you're living according to the Spirit, you're going to do what? What are you going to do? you're going to put to death the deeds of the body and you'll what? So if I put to death the deeds of the body, I'm not allowing again that old fleshly nature to rule because I owe my fleshly nature nothing. I owe God everything. He paid a debt I couldn't pay. 
right? So I do owe God something. You know what you owe him? Your life. A lot of people, you know, they're kind of like, well, you, you know, you just need to die for God. No, you need to live for him. You need to die to that old self, that old, your, your old self. That ain't dying for God. That's dying to your old self. But you need to do what? You need to live for God. He died for you so you could live for him. And with him, by the way. Watch this. Moving on. 4, verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. Notice this. These are the sons of God. So the phrase here, sons, is not referring to somebody born again. Not referring to that. Because it was referring to somebody born again. That means the only way I could be born again is I would have to be led by God. But you know you can be born again and not led by God. So this isn't referring to children of God. The phrase that's used here for sons is not talking about the same phrase referring to me being or you being a child of God. It's not the same word. It's not the same Greek word. This is a higher level word. So sons here also, ladies, is not referring to any aspect of male or female. So I was referring to, because if that was true, then women couldn't be led by God. We know that's not, that's not the truth. Women can be. So the word sons is not referring to children, nor is it referring to quote-unquote males. So let's look at this further. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now the word for starts off that verse. So that means we got to relate back to what we just previously read. What did we read? We owe a debt, but not to our flesh. So what's he telling you? You're not supposed to be led by your flesh. You listening? Because if we live, verse 13, according to the flesh, well, if you live according to the flesh, what are you being led by? What are you being led by? Come on, this, ain't, this isn't a deep revelation. If I'm living according to my flesh, what's leading me? My flesh is. My flesh is leading me. But if I'm living according to the Spirit, who's leading me? The Spirit is. I'm putting to death the deeds of the body, and I'm going to do what? I'm going to walk in the kind of life God has for me. How many think if I walk in the kind of life God has for me, I'm going to be fully equipped for what's ahead? Are you still with me today? For as many, therefore, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the... Read on with me for a minute. 15, for you did not receive, powerful truth. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You have a new spirit. I said you have a new spirit. That spirit you now have is not a spirit that puts you in bondage to fear. What did you have before you were born again? You had a spirit of fear. You had a spirit that was in bondage to fear. But you don't have that spirit anymore. You've received the spirit of... Come on, you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, the closest word we have to Abba is Daddy. Daddy, Father. So all he's saying, of course, you know, in verse 15, once you got born again, what does that mean? I now have a new daddy. I now have a relationship, once again, with the Father. Look at verse 16. The Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now He's given a little clue. He's given some insight to verse 14. If we want to be sons of God, we got to be what? Children. If we want to be sons of God, we got to be what? All right, let's go back to verse 14. I'll sit here all day if I have to. Verse 14 on these verses. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are... To be a son of God, I have to be what? Led by the Spirit of God. 
Verse 16, the Spirit Himself, verse 15 is saying, you have a new spirit by which you can be led. 14, be led by the Spirit, you're sons of God. 15, you have a new spirit. You don't have the old spirit, he's gone. That spirit of bondage to fear is gone. You now been adopted. You now can cry out, Abba, Father. 16, therefore the Spirit Himself, who now lives in you. Underline it, bears witness with our spirit. I can be led by God. How's he going to lead me? Through my spirit man. The spirit of God's going to lead me through my spirit man. Notice this, in this verse, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? So there's the term for children. So this isn't referring to being led. How do I know I'm a child of God? So this is something I use all the time when I witness to people. Romans 8, 16. There's only one way you can know if you're born again. According to the Bible, this is it. How do I know if I'm born again? I pray to prayer. Go show me the Bible where it says you can know you're born again because you pray to prayer. There's not a verse for that. Not in all 66 books of the Bible. How do I know I'm born again? He just told you. How do I know I'm a child of God? The Holy Spirit Bears witness with my spirit. There's a knowing inside here. Come on, I got a knowing inside my spirit, man. I'm a child of God. That's how I know. Because what happens when you get born again? The Holy Spirit comes to live within you. You get a new spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to reside in your spirit. And he's there to help you. We talked about it Wednesday night. We talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life. So understand, if you want to be fully equipped for what's ahead, what must I do? I need to be led by the Spirit of God so that I can walk out what He wants for me as a son of God. I'm coming back to that. Notice this, 17, if we are children, children of what? Children of God. Man, if this don't excite you, I don't know what would. If this don't excite you, we need to get you born again because you clearly don't obviously have a salvation experience because this should excite you if you're a child of God. Or you're just not listening, you're bored, you want to get back out in the world, go do what the world wants and get out of here. Listen to this verse. If you're children, then you're heirs. Heirs of what? You're heirs of God. Now think about all that God is and all that God has. Now see, you either need to get born again or woke up or something. Shake the cold off you. That don't excite you, there's a problem. If that don't excite you, there's a problem. If it doesn't excite you to hear that I'm not just an heir, I'm an heir of God. I'm an heir. I'm an heir. And I'm joint heirs with Christ. All that's been entrusted to Jesus, I'm an equal ownership. I'm an equal inheritance. If indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. Well, what do you mean I got to suffer? You can't do things the way the old you wants to do it. And therefore, the old you is going to suffer. The old flesh is going to suffer. If you are led by the flesh, you're going to walk in death. You're not going to walk in your inheritance. Why are so many Christians not walking in their inheritance? They're not led by the Spirit. They're led by the flesh. My challenge to you today, I want you to get this. My challenge to you today is that you should never make a decision in your life without knowing that the Holy Spirit is leading you. In that decision. Number five. You ready for number five? We must be led by the Holy Spirit. We must be led by the Holy Spirit. If you want to be fully equipped for what's ahead, you're going to have to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't learn to be led by the Holy Spirit, what are you going to be led by? Your flesh. What's that going to lead you into? Death. Separation from the life God has for you. But if I'm led by the Spirit, what am I going to walk in? Life. Which means I'm going to walk in what? God's plan. 
what God had for me. If I'm being led by the Holy Spirit walking to what he has for me, I'm fully equipped for what's ahead. Because I already know if I'm led by the Holy Spirit, whatever comes, I can know and hear from God exactly what he says I'm to do or not to do. And therefore, I'm prepared for what's coming. These are so important verses that you should truly tune your tuner in as tuned, tuned in as you can get it so you can clearly hear what God's trying to say to you today. So verse 13 again, if you live according to the flesh, what's going to happen? You're not going to walk in God's plan. But if, you, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're going to put to death the deeds of the body. What's going to happen? Listen to this verse in another translation. For if your life is just about satisfying the impulses of your sinful nature... So that's living according to the flesh. If your life is just about satisfying the impulses of your sinful nature, guess what your old flesh and nature is? Sinful. Then prepare to die. Prepare to die. Prepare to walk in a life of, of a pathway of death and not a lot, pathway of life, of Zoe life and what God has for you. But if you've invited the Spirit to destroy these selfish desires, you'll experience life. So how do I invite the Spirit to help me destroy these sinful, selfish desires? I'm led by Him. Amen. I invite Him by being led. So we talked about this on Wednesday night. We talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you missed it, go get it. Talked about all different aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, including Him leading me and you. Right. And if I'm not led by God, what am I being led by? That's the question. Because most people don't realize if they're not being led by God, they're being led by their fleshly nature, and therefore they're on a pathway of destruction. They're not on a pathway of life. They're on a pathway of destruction. How many think it would be significant for you to learn how to be led by the Spirit? So write this down if you want. Now we're going to look at verse 14. I want to touch on two key things. For as many as are led, circle it, highlight that word, led, by the Spirit of God, they are a circle highlighted, sons. Here's the two key words, led sons. If I'm led by God, I'm a son of God. If I'm not led by God, I'm not a son of God. So let's find out what led by God means, and let's find out what a son of God means. So the word led in the, in the Greek translation in the original language says to come under his control and be alert to his promptings. Write it down. If I'm led by the Spirit of God, what am I doing? I've come under his control. And therefore, I'm alert to his promptings. Think about that. If I'm led by the Spirit of God, whose control am I under? The Holy Spirit's control. I have to submit myself daily to the Holy Spirit's control to be led by the Holy Spirit. If I don't submit myself to the Holy Spirit's control, I won't be led by the Spirit. But if I submit myself to the control of the Holy Spirit, I can therefore very clearly be open to his impulses, his guidance, his leading, his promptings. Write this down. What's a son? So therefore, if I'm truly led by the Spirit of God, not a familiar spirit. You got to know the difference. There are familiar spirits who will try to lead you, make you think it's God. But I got to know that it's that Spirit of God on the inside of me that's leading me. If I'm led by God, I'm a son of God. What's that mean? The word son here simply means one who depends on another. One who depends on another. Well, children don't always depend on their parents, do they? I said children don't always depend on their parents, do they? But if I'm a son of God, not male, not child, if I'm a son of God, what does that mean? Really simple. 
I am dependent on him. Who's dependent on God, therefore? Who's dependent on God? According to that verse, who's dependent on God? I heard it. Say it again out loud, Miss Tamara. What's the son of God? Define it. One who is dependent on another. If I'm dependent on God, what am I? I'm led by God. Who's the one that's dependent on God? The one who's led by him. Just to find the actual words. So one who is led by God under the control of the Holy Spirit is therefore what? Dependent on God. This isn't even deep revelation. This is as simple as it gets. I'm certainly not dependent on God if I'm not what? If I'm not led by God. If I'm not what? Under the control of the Spirit of God. If you're not under control of the Spirit of God, guess what? You're not depending on God. If you're not under the control of the Spirit of God, according to this verse, you are not dependent on God. You know what God wants you to be? Dependent on Him. He loves you depending on Him. He loves you depending on Him. Because if you're not depending on Him, you're depending on yourself. If you and I, come on, say it. If I am led by God, I therefore am submitted to the Holy Spirit. And therefore, I am dependent on my God. If you don't submit to the control, the leadership, the ownership of the Holy Spirit, and therefore let Him lead you and be aware of His promptings, you're not being dependent on God. And God wants us dependent on Him in our relationships, in our marriages. You want to know why a lot of marriages don't work? I'm going to tell you why. You're listening to your, you're following your flesh, not the Spirit. If you do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do in those situations, instead of what your flesh is telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> I'm messing with some of you, I know. See, if you respond to your, your spouse the way the flesh wants you to respond, what are you, what are you actually responding to to bring about in your marriage? Death. But if I respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit leads me to do, what am I infusing into my marriage? Your choice. What about raising your kids? Come on, what about, what about dealing with your boss? What about dealing with your job? What about owning your business? What about every decision you make of every day of your life? What if those decisions are led by the Spirit of God? I'm dependent on God. And I'm going to walk in life. How many want to walk in life? See, the biggest challenge in dealing with couples that are having problems in marriage is to quit, get them to quit living for themselves. But to live for God. Honor God, do it God's way, but you don't know how they treat me. It doesn't matter. So you got a choice. Well, how did they treat Jesus? He still obeyed God. How did they treat Jesus? He, he was totally mistreated by people. He didn't respond out of the flesh. And he walked in what? Resurrection life. I mean, want to walk in life. Tell your neighbor, I think he's messing with me today. God's messing with you, maybe. Listen, guys, we get a choice. We get a choice. We have these two pathways again. We have a pathway of life and death. We can choose every single day. If I choose to get my life in subjection to the Holy Spirit and I'm dominated by Him and I know His promptings and I follow those promptings, I get to walk down the pathway of life. If I keep choosing to do what my flesh wants to do, that message that Pastor talked about last Sunday morning, the old me, if I do what the old me wants to do, you're walking out your fleshly nature. That's leading you to a life of death, a life of corruption. We owe a debt. Say, I owe a debt. What do I owe a debt to? I owe a debt to God to live by the Spirit. 
because of the price he paid for me to do so. Now, the reason he says, yo, that debt is because guess what God wants you to do? He wants you to live by the Spirit. He wants you to live in life. It's what he died and paid for that life for. Amen? Go to John 16. Are you with me today? John 16. Now, realize again, none of these individual points we're making are a complete teaching in full of each one of these topics. We've taught on all these. We've taught on all these. We're just reminding you of things that you should know of what are key things that you need to have working in your life if you want to be fully equipped. So I'm not going into detail today to talk about how to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a real simple way to know how to do that. But you got to learn how to be able to develop in that as a believer if you want to walk in life. And we do have specific teachings through our website that literally teach you how to be led by the Holy Spirit. John 16, we even touched a little bit again on a Wednesday night. I remember Wednesday night, we even touched on that as a part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Anybody as a baby Christian ever wish Jesus would have come back to the earth? Would you just come back, man, if you could just come back? But see, we think that from the natural standpoint because of what we're dealing with. But Jesus says that's not to your advantage. Why is it not to his advantage for us to come back? Everybody would have to get to him. Just one of him. Exactly right, Deb. Everybody would have to get to him. But once he's gone, guess who the Holy Spirit can go to? Everybody. You have the same spirit he had that he functioned with while he was here. So it's to our advantage that he went away. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So let's start with this phrase again, helper. We touched on this Wednesday night. Joshua, help me illustrate this, okay? The Holy Spirit is a helper. Say helper. I want you to get this. He's not a doer. He's not a doer. He's a helper. The word there is paraclete. It literally means one called alongside to help you. He doesn't go do things for you. God, I wish you'd deal with my spouse, change my spouse, do this, do that, do this. He, the Holy Spirit's not going to go do that. Now, God could speak to them maybe in some of those things. But the whole point is, the Holy Spirit's here to help you do what you're supposed to do. You're the doer. See, I'm the doer. And the Holy Spirit's the helper. He's the helper. He's here to lead you, but he's not going to quote-unquote lead you if you pray and say, God, oh, I really just need you to take care of everything that's before me so I don't make any mistakes or et cetera. No, 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 no. You still have to make decisions. You still have to make choices. But you have a helper that if I'll look to him and rely on him and learn how to follow his promptings, he'll help me to be led down the right pathway. But he won't do it for you. Verse 8, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. What's he going to bring a conviction of into the world? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Meaning what? He's going to convict the world of the context of their sin nature that's in them, the fallen nature. He is then going to bring a conviction upon their heart of the fact that they are not right with God and they must be right with God. And they can do so because he's also going to convict them of the fact that I've already judged the ruler of this world. So sin's been judged and dealt with. All you got to do is receive Christ. Nine, I will convict them of sin because they do not what? So what? this is a powerful verse. Never forget it. John 16, 9. What will send a sinner to hell? This verse right here. This verse right here. He didn't say all their sins. 
He said sin singular. Read it again. John 9. Of sin, not sins. He's talking about the sin nature on the inside of man. He said, I will convict them of that sin nature because they don't what? They don't believe in me. So the only thing that will send a person to damnation is not the sins they committed. The sins are the result of the sin nature inside. The root of the tree is the problem. And if if they don't put their faith in Jesus Christ to get rid of the root of the tree, clearly they're not going to be able to go to eternity. Ten, don't ever tell a sinner, oh, you're going to go to hell because of all your sins. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they're going to go there because of that sin nature. Their sins are a result of that. So it's that sin nature. Ten, notice this. Again, I will convict them of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. They're going to realize that I'm the one that came and did what's right. I go to the Father and that through me they can establish themselves as right with God. No other way. I will also convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is what? He's been judged. I proved it by being raised from the dead. He's not victorious over God. God's victorious over him. He's been judged. He's been dealt with. Twelve, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now think about that. He's saying, I've got some other things to reveal to you, but you're not ready yet to have them revealed. Now do you know why they weren't ready yet to have them revealed? They weren't born again yet. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them, the teacher, to help them understand this. So there's coming a time when that helper comes, I'll be able to reveal further things to you. So how is Jesus going to lead us? By the Holy Spirit. I've got other things to reveal to you, but you can't bear them now because you're not born again. They wouldn't have understood it. 13, however, when he, he's a person, he's not an it, he's not a thing. When he, underline it, the spirit of truth. Critical, the very first thing he defines him as is the spirit of truth. Spirit of truth. So if he leads me, it's never going to go contrary to truth. What is truth? John 17, 17, Jesus said it, God's word is truth. If you ever say the Holy Spirit's leading you in a way contrary to the Bible, it ain't the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. This is why a key, now we're not teaching in depth again today on how to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you keys of things we've taught on time and again about how you can be fully equipped for what's ahead. But here's another nugget. Here's a key to be led by the Holy Spirit. How can the Holy Spirit lead you who is the spirit of truth if you don't live in the truth? He can't. He can't. Because you won't know if it's him or not. Right? There's only one way. Remember Hebrews chapter 4? There's only one way we know what is of the old soulish nature and what is of the new nature God. There's only one way, the Word of God. The Word of God is the divider. So without the Word of God in my life, I, I should not expect, if I don't live in the Bible, if I don't live in the truth, I should not expect the Spirit of truth to lead me because I wouldn't know if it was Him or not. The less you li- Here's another way to say that. The less you live in the Word of God, the less guidance you're going to get from the Holy Spirit because He's going to lead you according to the Word. He is the Spirit of truth. Notice again, when He, the Spirit of truth has come, you ready? He, what will He do? First thing, here we go. Guide you into what? He's going to guide you into all truth. So everything He's going to guide you in is going to relate to the truth of God's Word. It will always go in line with the truth. Once again, if I'm not living in the Bible, I can't expect God's leading. If I'm not led by God, what am I led by? My flesh. If I'm led by my flesh, what's the end result? Separation from the path of of life that God has already pre-planned for me, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, as we've already talked about. Say, God has a plan plan. of life for me. me. He does. 
He already has a plan of life for you. But a key to walking on that pathway is doing what? Being led by the Spirit. So he will guide you, verse 13, into all truth. Notice, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So he is not going to tell us anything as we talked. We looked at these verses Wednesday night too. He's not going to tell us anything from, him, from himself that doesn't line up with what obviously Jesus would reveal, which Jesus is the word. 14, he will glorify me, Jesus said, for he will take what of, his, of what is mine and he'll declare it to you. So he's going to take what belongs to Jesus, understandably what is Jesus's or is Jesus, and he's going to reveal that to, to, to us. How's he going to do that to me and you? Real simple. Jesus is the word. Yeah. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. Don't live in the Bible. You're not going to get much guidance from God. Amen. I don't have time to read the Bible. Then you don't have time to be led by God. You're going to pay. You're going to continue to uh, to pay a debt you didn't owe to your flesh. You owe no debt to your flesh. You owe one to God. God wants you to walk in life. Notice again, fourteen. He'll glorify me because he'll take what of mine and he'll declare. Declare means he's going to make it known to you. Holy Spirit's the one that's going to make these things known to you. Again, not only what is current truth in your life, but even what's to come. Fifteen. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine. And declare it to you, which you are, by the way, a joint heir of. So a key to this verse is simply understanding this. The Holy Spirit, say this with me, the Holy Spirit will always guide me on a pathway of truth. Lift a hand to heaven, say, thank you, Lord, for your truth. See, you should be a lover of truth. If you're not a lover of the word of truth, he has no way to truly guide you because if he obviously knows you don't know the truth, what's he going to guide you into? All the truth. So what he's going to guide you into is going to be in line with the truth of God's word. He can't do that. I said he can't do that if you're not in the truth. Need to be somebody who is a lover of truth. And the primary aspect of what you and I need to be living in again is what? New Testament. Because that's your covenant. That's what you need to understand of your covenant of God. Go to Proverbs with me, please. Chapter 20. Let me show you another verse on this. Proverbs 20. And then we'll close with some real practicality understanding of this leading of the Spirit of God. Go to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, if you'll turn there. So back to Romans 8 that we started with, right? My spirit is going to get a witness by the Holy Spirit that I'm a child of God. I'm to be led by the Spirit of God. If I'm led by that same Spirit that will confirm I'm a child of God, then I'll be a son of God, one who depends on God. But I've got to be led by this Spirit. I've got to be somebody submitted to and knowing the promptings of the Holy Spirit to do that. If I'm being led by the Spirit of God and I'm walking out, therefore, what is clearly God's pathway for my life, what He wants for my life, then I myself will not actually serve the deeds of the flesh. I'll bring my flesh under control. A lot of us don't have our flesh under control because we're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. If we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8 said that we will do what? We will bring the deeds of our flesh under control because we're not obeying the flesh. So if I am going to be led by the Spirit, how's that going to happen again? Through your spirit man. Say, through my spirit man. Romans 8 said, the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit. Now, the bearing of witness there is not referring so much to a voice as it's just an inward knowing. 
and inward knowing, as we'll see in a minute. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. So here's another verse that confirms that. Look at this verse. The spirit of man. The what? Say it out loud, please. Notice this. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Proverbs, Proverbs 20, 27. Did I say seven? Twenty-seven. Guess I need to get my number speakers fixed. Proverbs twenty twenty-seven. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So the spirit of man is what you are. You're a spirit. And God says it's a lamp for him. Your spirit is a lamp for God. What does that mean, my spirit's a lamp for God? So lamp just means to illuminate. The word here refers to illumination. If you light a lamp, what'd you do? You just illuminated the room. You brought light into the room. How many like I love on these old Western movies, you know, how you see them walk over like it's dark in the room and they lift a little thing and they strike a match and they light it. And when they close it, isn't it amazing? All of a sudden, light fills the whole room. It really doesn't happen that way. But you know, in the movies it does. But it does with God. God says, your spirit is how I will enlighten you. Write it down. My spirit is how God will enlighten you. That's what Proverbs 20, 27 just said. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. In the Hebrew language, it's saying this. In the Hebrew language, original translation, it's saying this. My spirit is how God will enlighten me. What's he going to enlighten you to? Direction. Enlighten you to what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Enlighten you to what you should say, what you shouldn't say. Enlighten you to what you should think, what you shouldn't think. How many know God wants to enlighten you in every part of your life? How is he going to do it? To your spirit man. So I got to get more aware of my spirit, man, if I'm going to follow the leading of the Lord. God does not lead you to your brain. God does not lead you through outward circumstances. Don't be going and praying Old Testament prayers, you know, like Gideon did, throwing, you know, putting out a fleece. There is no such thing in the New Testament. In the context of the Old Testament, they didn't have the Spirit of God living in them, so they had no way to be led by God that way. Under the New Testament, there's only one way to be led, not by prophets. Come on, not by outward signs. You listening? We're to be led by our spirit in line with the word. Because he's going to guide us into all truth. So realize you and I got to learn. I've got to know how in the world am I going to pick up on my spirit man giving me guidance by the spirit of God. How do I do that? What is it? How do I know? How do I know that my spirit is actually trying to get me, the soul, the one who makes the decisions, to follow the direction that the Spirit of God wants me to go. How do I know that? So we've got to learn to know how to do that. Now clearly it's going to be in line with the Word. I'll agree with you, Bill, no doubt. But I've got to learn that this is going to come through my spirit, man. So if it's going to come through my spirit, man, how will I know that? How will I know that? Romans chapter 9. I'm going to show you. Romans chapter 9. Now, there's quite a few verses for this in the New Testament. Actually quite a few in the book of Acts as well. But one of the most direct, precise verses that reveals this to us is Romans chapter 9. Now, we went over this on, uh, I'll actually show you real quick. Hold your place in Romans 9. 
For those that couldn't be here Wednesday night, let me show you something. Go over to the book of Acts for just a moment. Praise God. Go over to the book of Acts 16 for just a second. Acts 16. I'll tell you what. I'll do that, Lord. So get Acts 16. Put a marker there. This will help you. This will help you to do it this way instead. Hold, hold on to Acts 16. Look back at Romans 9 for a minute. Because we're just going to look at one verse. So what must I do to follow the leading? How many want to be led by the Spirit? If you're not led by the Spirit, you're led by the flesh. Pathway is death, separation from what God has prepared for me. Therefore, I'm not going to be fully equipped for what's ahead. But if I'm walking in a leading of the Spirit of God, I am now a son of God, which means I am dependent on God. Sons of God are dependent on God. So now you're depending on Him. He wants you to depend on Him on your every decision. You know what He wants you to do before you open your mouth next time and speak? He wants you to depend on Him. You don't believe it? What did Jesus say? I only say what I hear the Father say. I mean, you think that would be a good thing for you to do. That you only say what you hear the Father say. How are you going to hear what the Father says? Well, for you, two ways. Reading the Bible is one. But number two, listening to your spirit man. Because your spirit man will reveal to you what God wants you to say and what God doesn't want you to say. I'm going to show you how. But I'll tell you what, your life would be a whole lot better and so would others if you would learn to say what God wants you to say. I don't mean that we don't speak truth to people, but I'll guarantee you again, you got to understand, you need to know not only what to say, but how to say it. Amen. Romans chapter 9. If you're there, say amen. amen. Verse 1. Look what Paul said. Now, there's a bunch of places in the book of Acts. You can go to Paul's life. And here, I'm going to give you a word. I'm going to give you a word that you need to look at in the New Testament. Conscience. You need to look at that word. Conscience. I know most of you know what we've taught you about this before. But this is very clearly seen all through the book of Acts as well in the life of the disciples as they're being led by the Spirit of God. Look at Romans 9.1. I tell the truth in Christ. So what Paul was saying is, what I'm declaring, I receive as absolute truth from Jesus Christ. How I many remember Paul wasn't one of the original 12? So he didn't walk with him before he died. You listening? He wasn't part of that initial 12 walking with God before he died. He had visitations from the Lord we know based on his writings. But here he's telling you, I am telling the truth in Christ. So somehow he got understanding of what, obviously, what was truth from God and what was not. How did he do that? He tells you, I am not lying, because God doesn't lie. Underline it. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Listen to that. My conscience also bearing me. What do you mean me? Circle me and circle conscience and draw a line between the two because they're the same thing. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. So my conscience is bearing witness with the Holy Spirit. What is your conscience? It's the voice of the real you. The voice of your spirit man. The voice of your spirit man is your conscience. 
What is the voice of your soul? The voice of your soul, ladies and gentlemen, happens to be, quote unquote, your reasoning. How you reason things out. What's the voice of your flesh, your outer body, your feelings? What you're affected by, how you feel. But what's the voice of my spirit, man? My conscience is. Again, watch this. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. My conscience also, again, bearing me witness, his spirit man, not his head. My spirit man. Because we know Romans 8 says the Holy Spirit's going to bear witness with our spirit, spirit, not our brain. How did he know that? Conscience, the voice of his spirit. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Go over now to Acts 16. We looked at this Wednesday night. Let's look at it again. Do you some good? Look at it again. Go to Acts 16. I want you to make a note of this. This is, this is critical. The word conscience, are you ready? If you look that word up, if you actually look up the context of that word in its original meaning of what it actually is stated from the Greek language, here's what the conscience is. It is a knowing or a co-knowing. A knowing within or also defined as a co-knowing. It's defined both ways. A knowing. My spirit knows because there is a what? Witness. Co-knowing. Yes. How does my witness come to know? Through a co-knowing. There's a witness. The conscience of my spirit is there's a witness here. There's a co-knowing. Therefore, I now know. Because right. the spirit's bearing witness with my spirit man. Amen. And my conscience is how I figure that out. The word conscience also means the faculty, direct from the language itself, the faculty by which we apprehend the will of God. Think about that. My conscience is the faculty by which I apprehend the will of God. Because if you're listening to your spirit man and the Holy Spirit is revealing to you the will of God, we know this. Well, no, wait a minute, Pastor. The way I'm going to apprehend the will of God is the truth. But if the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit... Is it ever going to go contrary to the word? It never will. He's the spirit of truth. And there are decisions you have to make in life in which you can't always go find a direct verse for. So how do I know the will of God in that situation? I'll tell you how. Your conscience, the voice of your spirit can reveal what the Holy Spirit is already revealing to your spirit man. But you've got to learn to follow your conscience. Now be careful because a lot of people think that their conscience really is nothing more than what really is their soul, their mind, will, and emotions, and what they want. I've got to learn to separate my soul from my spirit, man, and know that it's an inward knowing. It's not my quote-unquote soul that's telling me to do this. A lot of people say, well, I heard from God. The truth is, you don't usually hear words from God. You mostly get a witness on the inside as you. God expects you, ladies and gentlemen, to start walking out your life in relationship to the basics of Scripture. God's not going to diaper you the rest of your life. God's not going to feed you the rest of your life. He understands as a baby Christian, there's some things he'll overlook because you're a baby. But at some point, he wants you to get up on your own two feet and start walking. Meaning what? You are still depending on him, but you're making decisions depending on what God wants you to do. But you still have to make the decisions. The Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. He will not control you. He's not like Satan. God's not a controller. God's a helper. God's a helper, but he's not a controller. You listening? Satan's just the opposite. Satan's not a helper. He's a controller. Satan wants to control your life. God will not. I wish he would sometimes. You listening? 
I mean, the only time we really see God under the New Testament doing much of the way control, remember, is Zacharias. Remember what over the Christmas story? God had no choice but to take control of Zacharias' tongue by shutting him up because guess what? John has to be born. And if you don't believe in this miracle baby that I've told you you're going to have, which he did not, I cannot let you speak against it, which reveals the power of your words. And if you speak against what God says, I'll guarantee you what, man, I love this statement uh, that Charles Capps says. Your saying can nullify your praying. You got to get that. Your saying can nullify your praying. You could pray things in the will of God and then speak contrary to it. It'll nullify everything you pray. You could pray, believe God, get in faith, release faith, but then go back to speaking all contrary to what the Word of God says. And guess what your saying does? It nullifies your praying. If that were not true, God would not have shut Zacharias' mouth up. And sometimes I wish God would take that kind of control of our life, but He's not a controlling God. He is an honorable God, and He is a God who is to be reverenced and respected, and He is a God who will not take control of your life. He's a perfect gentleman. He won't walk in your house unless you open the door. He'll knock, but He's waiting for you to open the door. The truth of whether God really actually is presence, talking about an aspect of what is in your home, is whether or not His presence is in your home or not is up to you. It ain't because just because you're there, the Holy Spirit's living in you, but is, is His presence permitted in all aspects of your home? Amen. Guess what you and I don't want to do in the process of trying to be led by the Spirit of God? Grieve Him. Right. Quench Him. If we quench the very one that's been sent to lead us, guess what we're not going to do? Follow His leading. But I got to know how to hear him. So before I go that pathway, I got to know how to hear him. How am I going to know what the Holy Spirit is revealing to my spirit? Conscience. My conscience, this inward knowing, this inward voice of my spirit, man, will reveal that. Well, you see it right here in Acts chapter 16. Paul himself now taking his crew to go out, Silas with him to go and preach the gospel, as they were called to continue to preach the gospel. Look at verse 6. When they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. That's where they were headed. So on the way, say on the way. What happens? Guess what Paul gets? Through his conscience, he now knows something ain't right. But he doesn't know it before they left. They're on their way there. So he's made a decision. And sometimes in life, you you don't want to make all of the big decisions of life and then find out, Holy Spirit, was that right or not? No. What you want to do before you make the final decision, take some steps that direction. Do some things that would start leading you that direction. Well, there's not much I could do other than make the decision. Then stop and think through if you made the decision, what's it going to be like? And as you think through what that decision is going to be like, start listening to your spirit, man. Because the Bible's clear for him to lead you. He's not going to control you. He's not going to make decisions for you. He expects you to already have through the Word of God some knowledge of how God wants you to live your life. And when you start walking the direction obviously you think you're supposed to go, what should you do? Don't run that way. Take time to listen to the voice of your spirit, man, your conscience. And if the Holy Spirit is forbidding you to go that way, guess what? Your spirit will know it. You'll feel a constraint in your spirit and your conscience will not feel good about this. Matter of fact, every, every next step you take further that way, it gets worse and worse as you go. Talking about your inner man, your spirit man. Seven, after they came to Mysia, so they stopped. All right, well, Mysia's close by. Let's go over there. We've got to have somewhere to stay. So they go to Mysia. Then they tried to go where? Bithynia. Underline it. Notice again. But the spirit did not what? 
Now, he didn't stand up and say, Paul, I'm not letting you go. If that was true, it would have said the Spirit stood right in front of him and spoke to him. He can't go that way. But we don't have any verse in all the Bible where the Holy Spirit ever manifested to any human on the planet ever, ever, ever in all the history of time and told him not to do something. Right. Angels did sometimes. Right. A donkey did once. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit didn't. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. So how is it that he knows the Holy Spirit's not permitting them to go? So now they actually start heading toward Bithynia. And guess what Paul now knows in his spirit through his conscience? This ain't right either. Watch this. Verse 8. So then they just go on by Mysia and they came down to Tros. Now while they're at Tros, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. That doesn't mean because you had a vision it was God. See, a lot of people think, well, there you go. See, I had a vision, so I know it's God because obviously Paul had a vision. He knew it was God. Now, the only way he knew is that the Holy Spirit then did not constrain him to go forward where he was going in the context of the vision. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and he pleaded with him saying, what? Come over here to Macedonia and help us preach the gospel. Ten, now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go. See, he doesn't know if it's God yet or not. Didn't say, I knew this was God. This is where we're going. I got it, boys. I know right where we're going. I know it. I know it. I know it. Come on, we're going this way. No, we sought to go. See, started taking steps that direction. What's he looking for? Do I have that same constraint in my spirit again? Or do I now have an inward witness in my conscience of an absolute knowing of peace within? I'm going the right way. This is how you must learn to be led in daily life if you want to be fully equipped for what's ahead. Amen. If he'd have gone to Asia at that time, he'd have probably died. Right. They tried to kill him later. Right. But he went in obedience to God. Yes. If he'd have been in Bithynia, I'll guarantee again, he might have lost his life. If you're following the flesh, what could be the end result? Death. So again, he clearly uh, says in this case in verse 10, that after having seen the vision, we sought to go. We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. How did he conclude that was true? Because as they sought to go, so they went that way. Guess what happened? The Holy Spirit didn't constrain them anymore. Matter of fact, now they got an absolute witness in his spirit that this is God. How did he know that? His conscience. What did he just tell us about himself over in Romans chapter 9? I tell the truth, I'm not lying. My conscience bearing witness with the Holy Spirit. That's how he learned to be led. Because your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Now, ladies and gentlemen, to hear your conscience, the voice of your spirit, you got to learn to quiet your mind. you got to quit being so overreactive to your flesh. If you're always going to instantly react to what your flesh wants, you're never going to hear your, your spirit, man. You're never going to take time to listen to your conscience and therefore never be led by the Holy Spirit. You've got to learn to slow down. Say, slow down. So I'm going to word it this way. You ready? This is so important. You've got to make an effort to slow down and listen to your conscience. It takes an effort on your part to do that because you're not used to doing that. You're not used to slowing down and listening to your conscience. You know what you're used to doing? Just making a decision. Spouting off out of your mouth, making a decision to do this, do that, go here, go there. You know what? You should not even make a decision as to where you're going unless you take time to listen to the Holy Spirit because you could be headed somewhere that God knows. I guarantee I wished I had time, and I'm going to run out of time now, but you need to know this, and there's tons of testimonies like this, tons of them. I remember 9-11. Mm-hmm. Right. Yummy Christians did not die on that day who worked in the trade towers. You know, there were Christians from everywhere, from even those that were in the tower before the plane hit to those that were on their way. 
different times before that plane hit. There was one gentleman, many of these partners of our pastor and, and other ministers we know that gave their testimony. There was one gentleman who said, I was already, I go early, I go early, early. I'm sitting in my office. I'm one floor below where that plane hit in my office. One floor. And my conscience is bugging me. I, I always go and start my day in my office praying. Right. Yes. Tuning in to God. Yes. And I'm sitting there praying. As I'm praying something, my, my spirit is just, man, I cannot get over this. I'm like, what is going on here? And some's just urging my spirit, I got to get out of here. I don't know why, but I got to get out of here. <clears throat> and I told everybody I could, I don't know why, but we need to get out of here. Let's get out of here. Now, obviously, he can't make people leave. He just works there. But he told everybody, you need to get out of here. Right. And at first, let me back up. At first, he actually didn't respond to it. And the urge got stronger. And then it got so strong, it was almost like authoritative. Not like a word he heard. Right. Just to know, I got to get out of here, man. He, he was just so agitated. I got up. I jumped up. I left everything on my desk. Didn't care. Told everybody, we got to get out of here. He said, I ran for the elevators. I got on the elevators, went down. He said, I'm telling you, Dr. Barclay, I did not get two blocks down the road. And that plane hit that tower one, 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 uh, one flight, above, one story above where I work. I'd have been dead in an instant. But he didn't die. Be led by the flesh, you may die, folks. Be led by the spirit, you can live. There's so many Testimonies of Christian. One guy, man, he said, I never eat donuts for breakfast. Never. <clears throat> I skip breakfast. <clears throat> never eat breakfast. I just get a coffee. I'm on my way there. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, in, in my conscience, in my, he said, the spirit, I just felt my spirit, man, I said, turn aside into this coffee house and get a donut. And he's like, no, I don't eat donuts. I need to wash my weight. Turn aside into this. Uh, not like a voice. Just a no, I, I need to get a donut. It's the way I can describe it. But he's like, that's honestly the way he felt. Like, I just need to get over here and get a donut. But he's just thinking, that's my flesh. But he just said it wouldn't go away. Right. So he turns aside. He sits down. He orders a donut. They have a TV on. Yes. He's blocks away from the trade tower where he's about to go work at. And all of a sudden, guess what they see on television? Yes. Plane hit the tower. Then he did hear from God. If you wouldn't obeyed me, you'd have been in that tower. Right. You'd have died. What about all the Christians that did die? They didn't learn how to be led by their spirit or they didn't listen to that prompting. Now, I go back to the guy that sat in his office. That didn't happen just because he's going through the motions of the day. He would take time to pray every morning before he started his day at his office. I suggest you start seeking God seriously. The day you live in, you live in perilous times, folks. You better know how to be led by God. Something Dr. Barclay said, for Christians who know how to be led by God, he's going to be able to, to lead them through this maze of destruction and perilous times we're living in and bring them through successful, Amen. just like a minefield. You better learn how to hear your conscience. So what do I got to do? Slow down. Say slow down. You better learn to slow down before you open your mouth to your spouse. Ladies and gentlemen, let me help you. If you can't do it in the littlest of daily activities... Oh, I need to preach on this some more. If you can't learn to do this in the smallest of daily activities, like the words you speak to people, do you really think you're going to be led by God in big decisions? When you're not even taking time to listen to your conscience, should I really say that or not? I got a verse for you. You ready? Be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. How many are quick to hear? Most of us are not. Me included. You're quick to speak. 
Instead of taking the time to stop and listen to your conscience. Now, I've gotten in trouble even with my spouse and others sometimes when they speak. I won't, I've, I won't always respond. You know why? Because my flesh is wanting to. And they're like, well, aren't you going to say anything? Uh, yeah, <laughs> just a minute. Because <laughs> I don't want to respond to my flesh. Just because somebody don't respond to you, you shouldn't get frustrated and mad at them. Maybe they are actually listening to their conscience. Maybe they are listening to what they're about to say. They might be doing what the Bible said, taking time to hear before they speak. Tell your neighbor, we'd all be better off if we did that. Seriously. Practice. Listen to me. Listen to me. Practice in the small areas of daily life to learn to hear your conscience. Because it'll make a difference in the big areas of life when the decisions come. But if you don't learn to do it in the small areas of life, daily relationships, daily choices, daily decisions, you know what? You shouldn't wake up and say, my flesh is tired. I don't want to go to church today. You know what you ought to say? Holy Spirit, should I go to church today? Thank you for your amends about that. How I many want to be led by God? There's times that you may need to stay home due to issues or whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but you need to ask God. I mean, you know, God knows what, what you need. I mean, you know, God knows when you need to hear a message, which obviously he always has something to say to you every time the word's open. But see, if we can't do this with the small things of daily life, don't expect it to work when all of a sudden you now, now you're on a big situation going on. Man, I need to hear from God. If you would have learned to practice in the small areas of life, guess what? You'd had no problem doing hearing God in the big times. And I'll tell you what, folks, you're living in perilous time. I'm not trying to scare you. That's what the Bible says. Last days will be perilous times. Well, I won't be affected by it. Think of the ones that were affected by it in the trade tower that day. They didn't have to be. I said they didn't have to be. If you think God is a God who shows favorites and only saves a few, ridiculous. God was trying to speak to every one of those kids. Most of them didn't. He's a, he's a gentleman. It's how he operates, how he works. We must learn to do what? Be led by the Spirit. And to do that, i got to hear from what? What i got to hear from? My Spirit, which is the voice of my Spirit, is my con. How do you do that? Slow down. Slow down, church. Slow down. Quit being so quick to respond and react to everything that goes on. Slow down. Stop. Quiet your mind. You're not trying to get your brain to tell you anything. You're trying to tell your brain to shut up. Just quiet your mind Listen to your spirit. What do I now listen? If you had some words that you wanted to say to somebody, then take a moment to quiet yourself and say, Now, conscience, is that good? <laughs> Are these words okay here? And I guarantee you what, if you feel the constraint of the Holy Spirit, you know you better keep your mouth shut. Amen. You better not say what God doesn't want you to say. Most of what we do of harm in relationships, don't get mad at me, are self-inflicted. Amen. Well, they start it, don't matter who starts it, folks. You a soft answer turns away wrath. Did the Bible lie about it? No, it did not. And if we do what Scripture says, guess what? We can turn away that wrath. Did I help you at all today? Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. 
you will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.